Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffield. By golly gosh. The son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack-of-all-trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scribe. My goodness. And Glenn Quarterman. Wow-wee. A proud Victorian parked permanently in the West who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me! Together they are Duff Duff and Quarters. quarters. You know who! And this is your favourite footy podcast. It's unbelievable! Hello everybody, it is Thursday and it is time for the second edition this week of the Duff and Quarters podcast. We are brought to you by TabTouch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet. Download TabTouch today. Please gamble responsibly and please, if you run into any problems, call the Gambler's Helpline on 1-800-858-858. With me in the studio, Glenn Quartermain, the man with very small hands and some very big ideas as to how round 23 of the AFL season is going to unfold. Good morning to you, Quarters. Morning, Duff. How are you? And this is a milestone episode number 50 for the year. Is that why you've got your bat in the air? I have, yes, correct. That's a proper cricket bat, by the way, not a metaphorical bat. (laughs) That's right. I'm glad you fixed that up, I can tell you. Bit of news floating around this morning too, mate, um, from, both from the AFL Commission, um, from some coaches, um, a few, uh, a big signing by a player, so a bit going on. Okay, morning. let's start with the big news. Fremantle plays for a top in the spot, the top four. Yep. Uh, this weekend against GWS in Canberra. Uh, some selection news. They got on the plane this morning. Well, it's not selected yet, but they're on the plane. So who is not on the plane is probably more revealing, and that was Rory so Lobb. Rory Lobb not spotted at the uh, airport. Craig O'Donoghue, our great man out at the airport today, did not spot Rory Lobb. Uh, there was definitely Griffin Logue on the plane. There was definitely Lloyd Meek on the plane. And uh, But really the most prominent um, non-arrival was uh, Rory Lobb. So the great challenge for them this week is, well, A, one challenge is wondering what GWS turns up, whether it's the mob that turned up against Sydney, which created the McVeigh 8, mm-hmm. or the mob that's turned up uh, since then and nearly beat the Western Bulldogs at the weekend. Now, it's going to take Fremantle's absolute best to beat that team, um, but obviously if they've uh, already checked out and they're wondering about tickets to Bali, then probably less to beat the other one. Player who won't have checked out, who won't be wondering about tickets to Bali, will be Sam Taylor. Sam Taylor. So that's interesting because this is a makeshift forward line, if you like. Certainly not their first choice forward line. Yep. So whoever plays on Sam Taylor is going to have a tough day. So whoever plays on Sam Taylor is, is it's their job to to keep him occupied. Yeah, make sure that Sam Taylor doesn't dominate the game on, and doesn't dominate their attack like Tom Barras was at times. And as we stand it. right now, it's probably going to be Nat Fife. I think so. So I think Nathan Fife plays forward in this game. And I think if Nathan Fife has only one big moment this year, I think this has to be it. Because no Rory Lobb means no spearhead. Question marks over Griffin Logue. Obviously a little bit of a niggle there in the adductor. Um, went off the track the other day. Now he might be okay or he might be a little bit inhibited. Um, and Griffin Logue isn't a big goal kicker anyway. Lloyd Meek will sometimes playing the two rucks with one forward works out for you and sometimes it blows up in your face. Maybe um, they have to this week. I Just think, another option forward. Yeah, I think they'll probably be thinking very seriously about it. Mm. So they need to find a way, and I think that way is Nathan Fife. Two goals, give a contest, don't be outmarked, fight for the ball on the ground, create a couple of scores for others, try and get Fremantle to 12 or 13 goals, try and keep GWS under that and then hope other results go your way over the right. weekend. So even removing the hoping other results go your way, uh, it's absolutely have to win against GWS. Correct. Or, uh, because if they don't, they're not top four, and if they're not top four, they're not winning a flag. That's right. That, that doesn't mean the season won't be um, successful to some degree, but it does mean that basically from this side of the country, you have to be in the top four to win the flag. Well, I actually think they have uh, they've overachieved in my estimation. Okay, Now, before you get angry at me, before you have to have a cup of chamomile tea. Um, by the way, our colleague Ben Robinson was at the footy last Saturday night. And there was an argument ensuing around him, and this lady turned around and said to one of them, "Just go and have a cup of chamomile tea." <laughs> so our power is very far-reaching, Duff. Um, 
But yeah, look, it's just a it's an absolute must win. I think they've overachieved in we terms. Should have been of, in Jerusalem. <laughs> Why? 2,000 years ago. We might have been able to help. <laughs> yeah, Spread we, a bit of chamomile tea. Yeah, so that's it. Lessen uh, the angst. Look, I think they've done very well. They've had a good season, but let's park that now. And there's much to be achieved still uh, in the month, in the month of the five, six weeks ahead, including the bye. So Frio should uh, be pleased with how they've progressed. Um, but there's some stuff to do. I, I Look, I don't – it doesn't bother me that you say they've overachieved. What I would say is that I don't think they've overachieved. Okay. I think Fremantle's pre-season expectation was that they were capable of making top six, which they now have, um, and they need to frank that with one finals win. But um, I, I think that, that they believe they had a list that was capable of doing that, and to their credit, they've done that. Yeah, I'm not suggesting they've overachieved, but in my estimation, I thought they'd be about ninth this year and then go forward from there. So they're ahead of where I thought they should be is probably a better way of putting it. Mm. But good luck to them. And, uh, but they're just no-brainer. Got to win this week. Uh, they've got some challenges, obviously, with that forward line, but they're very capable of doing it. And then hopefully, as I expect, as we'll get to our tips later, Duff, things to fall their way. Absolutely. All right. So, um, Michael Hurley. Now, with all yeah. the shenanigans going on at Essendon, this could easily have been cast into the shadows. But this this is a significant thing. Michael Hurley was a, a, a flat-out gun. He's played a bit forward, became a great defender at Essendon, uh, has had that horrific uh, infection uh, in his Nearly hip. lost his life from that. And um, and he's going to play AFL footy this yeah, weekend. Yeah, nearly lost his life. And he's it's his first game back since the final round, I think, 2020. Yep. And he's going to play. It's a, it's a great comeback game. He's had a couple of weeks in the VFL, but it's his last game as well. They call him Bear at Essendon because he's a big, cuddly bloke. He's uh, one of those real tight-knit, sort of brings everyone together off the field. And uh, they love him. So, uh, look, we hope it goes... Uh, we, you would expect something from Essendon this week after last week's horrific performance, and you would expect something from Essendon this week given uh, the magnitude of the teammate they're sending off. And you'd expect something from Essendon this week given what's gone on off the field. I mean, whether you were a Ben Rutten fan as a player or whether you had difficulties with him, and, and all clubs have players who have difficulties with the incumbent coach, I think it's incumbent on the players to show something for their coach in the wake of the events of the past week. My point with that is that why don't you do that every week? I agree with that. But all they've got is this week. Just on that game, um, Essendon v Richmond, Daniel Rioli, we believe, has signed for a five-year deal. That's a good deal. And if I'm Richmond, I'm doing that every day of the week. He's a very good player. He's he's found a, a great niche for himself. And they've been able to replace him with another Rioli as a pressure oh, forward. Will there be another Rioli? Here? Well, that's an interesting question. You know, I think West Coast has a contract offer in front of Willie, and I'm not sure that there's been any response to that. And if you're West Coast and you're trying to trigger a list rebuild, this is an interesting one. They don't have a lot of players on their list with some trade currency. Willie Rioli, it could be argued, does have some trade currency. Now, you're basically doing it on potential because I think – as, as good as Willie has been, and he was a great player in 2018, um, and he's been super at various stages um, at other times during his career. Obviously, he's had the two years off, but I'm not sure he's a player they can take to the bank, if you know what I mean, as part of this rebuild. So therefore, do you take the punt on getting something good for him? And and what's something good? Well, probably a pick in the early 20s. Yeah would be something good for Willie. I would definitely have a look at that. So can you try and manufacture that, a trade deal that gives you that? That would give them four picks inside 30, I reckon, quarters at this draft, plus Jai Cully out of the mid-season rookie draft, who was rated a top 30 pick. So the equivalent of five picks inside 30, I think people will feel a lot easier about them maintaining most of the older players on their list if they see that sort of draft haul. Yeah, and once you trade McGovern at the Western Bulldogs and you get their first round, you've got another one. <laughs> yeah, I just I worry about the message that sends. Yeah, Give, given the, the effort McGovern made to get himself in the nick he got himself in before he got hurt, I, I would be – McGovern would be one I'd be standing I by. I look at the fit for Western Bulldogs and it's a good fit. Well, it's a better fit than Roy Lobb, really, isn't it? It is. Because you've got – The a, one missing – Link to their side is a intercept marking defender, a really, really good one. Rory Lobb would help. 
down the other end, particularly yep. depending on what Josh Bruce's knee is really like. I mean, they they would know more about Josh Bruce's knee than we do. Maybe Josh Bruce is going to struggle going forward. So having Rory Lobb riding wingman to Aaron Norton in attack, that, that would be and handy. And Jamara. And Jamara Hagen. But Jamara, he, he appeals as a third forward, not a second yeah, forward, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, uh, I would be – my opinion, as, as you said, my opinion is that I'm keeping Jeremy McGovern. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just keeping – I'm making him the vice-captain. So Tommy Barras captain, Jeremy McGovern vice-captain for me at West Coast next year. St Kilda has announced David Noble, the former North Melbourne coach, is going to step in and help them with their external review of all matters football. So this is a good appointment. Yeah. Um, David Noble has an outstanding record as a football administrator. Um, and it was seemed, it was almost like, I wouldn't say it quite blindsided us when he was appointed North Melbourne coach, but it was clearly a departure from his career path. Um, he did a great job. People quickly forget that it was he and Chris Fagan as a team that put Brisbane back together um, with Noble, the football manager, and Fagan, the coach. Um, yeah, I like I like this appointment. He would be, he will make a valuable contribution, I think, to what he said and found at St Kilda. Did I read this morning that Bradley Hill could be on the market again? Uh, you probably did. Mm. Yes. Interesting. One thing you have to say about Colin Young, he's certainly proactive <laughs> at this time of year. Um, look, you know what? Does Brad really want to play at four clubs? He might. Uh, geez, it's it's kind of a bit of a. He played in three flags. That's great. I mean, do you really want to end that by playing at four clubs? I don't know. You'd have to ask him. Yeah. So the club that the suitor is North Melbourne, correct? I believe so. I'm hearing they're also a suitor for Blake Acres mm. and Long Deal. Yes, I've heard that. Long Deal. Gee whiz, I tell you what, when you're where North Melbourne are, Big deals for Brad Hill and Blake Akers. Is that how you get further up the ladder? No. No. I do. Not a bad call list there. I mean, the way I look at North Melbourne is they've laid the concrete. Yeah. And whoever comes in has to build the house now. Yeah. Right? And it's just whether you build double brick or timber. But the concrete's there. It's yeah. been poured. Well, to me, Blake Akers and Brad Hill would be timber, not double brick. Yeah, I agree. So, so they'd, be, they'd have to be very careful going down that path. Now, before we and, go... And, be, and before people get angry, I'm... Um, have massive respect for the season that Blake Akers. Yeah, he's had a great together. year. And I've also got a fair bit of respect for the way Brad Hill has rebounded this year. Yep. Even though he's still a bit hit and miss, he was a maligned player at St Kilda last year because of the money he was on, because of what they'd given up to get him. So for him to do uh, put together a pretty solid season, I think that's been you know a good outcome. For now, him. a couple of um, eyebrow-raising issues raised at the AFL Commission on Monday. Let's start with one, right? Yep. You know my thoughts on this. So they're talking about the bounce. So they're talking about banning the bounce as of next year. Well, you give me your thoughts first. Well, my, for I those who have forgotten your thoughts. Any reason why... I, I agree with throwing the ball up during a game. I don't see why you can't start each quarter with the bounce, and that's it. Why not? What is wrong with that? The theatre of starting a quarter with a bounce, to me, is compelling. So the best bouncer goes into the middle, bounces the ball There's straight up. There's a designated bouncer, Duff. Yep. A designated bouncer. And you do it. You don't do what I did when I tried to bounce is hit yourself in the nose <laughs> and then say, I'm no good at this umpiring. But look. So it, who's it a takes, good bouncer? I don't know. It takes, a, it takes a lot of skill, doesn't it? So Nathan but, Williamson, the WA boy, he's a good bouncer. So you know what I don't like is the recall. There's been so, I, this year there seems to be a lot more recalls of the footy. I'm saying let's add a bit of an element of surprise to it all. There's no recall. Just open the each quarter with a bounce, and wherever it goes, it goes. More often than not, you get your best bouncer. It's straight up in the air. The, the, the grand final in particular, that first bounce is just great part of the theatre with the countdown clock and everything. So I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, I, look, I hear what you're saying. Um, One theater, bounce a quarter, come on. Theatre, history, whatever. My argument would be, if that's what it's reduced to, why have it at all? Because it's part of the theatre. You're being curmudgeonly. I'm not being curmudgeonly. I'm just saying, it's, if, if that's all it's going to be, well, so, why bother at all? Because you, that's the start. You're starting the quarter with and, it. And what's more is if we get to a stage where the bounce is no longer in the umpire skill set, which it won't be, then you're not going to get good bounces. It's a tough thing to do. Oh, it is. I mean, you, you've mentioned, you know flattening your nose 
man with very small hands, very flat nose, Glenn Quartermain. Um, I can't get it anywhere near straight. The only way I can get it straight is if I hold it like you would hold a drop punt. And if you do that, it goes about 10 feet high, which is not really high enough to be... Um, I'll tell you who I reckon is the best bouncer of all time. I think it was Matty James. Matty James, but, I reckon he wore, used to wear number five, his umpire number five. The umpires in the 70s not all good bouncers. I can't recall being any crappy bouncers back then. Now, I think we, 70s have, and 80s. we have... Do we have rose-coloured glasses? We have rose-coloured glasses. Do we? Glasses. Okay. Even when you go back... So everyone's, you hear all these people that say, oh, blokes were better kicks back then. Go back and watch the games. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. Mm. You didn't you didn't find many blokes running around back in those days who kicked the ball as well as Nick. Seemed to be does. better kick for goal. I think the numbers kicking for goal are pretty much the same, but don't forget that there were no zone defences, there were no press defences. Often attacks were straight down the middle, and there were no restrictions on how long you could train and, and practice your goal kicking after training. Yeah, I think there's a lot of shots taken from twenty metres out directly in front, and that changes the numbers a bit. Yeah, a lot of them are missed too. Um, look, let's park that then, the bounce, right? You know my thoughts. Really interestingly, they're talking about going to four umpires, four field umpires next year, so no emergency, okay? And then the, beyond that, they're even talking about five or six field umpires. So my thought when I first read that was, what would be wrong with having an interchange bench for umpires? Because you rotate them through, keep them fresh, they're going to make better decisions. I, I love the idea. Oh, God. Yeah, let's have eighteen. Let's I'm not make let, 18. Let, let's make let's make the players play in pairs, like they might in under twelves. Well, Every get... pair can have an umpire. They can not only umpire; they can coach. Oh, you know, Jacko, you know, you should play in front more. Oh, Jacko, you're staging for free kicks. Oh, Jack Ginevan, please stop trying to milk high contact free kicks. I mean, please. The more umpires you introduce, the more interpretations you get, the more inconsistencies. You get the more eyes that see it, the more chances you're going to get of two umpires seeing it from a different angle in a completely different light. It, four is a stretch, I reckon, but I'm prepared to cop four. If we're going any higher than four, we are entering into madness. Well, you know they're going to. Why are they going to? Surely someone has to put their hand up and say, "No, nah, four's enough." And the only way I can see them having six is if they've got two on-field and four boundary umpires who are making on-field decisions. So in other words, every umpire out there, field or boundary, is basically making field umpire decisions. Maybe that works. Lee Matthews actually suggested that quite some time ago because the blokes on the periphery would have a completely different view of the contest than the blokes in running the middle of the ground and the blokes running the middle of the ground would cover less ground because they wouldn't have to go as close to the boundary so I could kind of entertain that reluctantly for I'm happy to entertain reluctantly if we get six field umpires out there I'm scratching my head they're not six out there you're just rotating them through Off an interchange bench. For those who didn't hear that, that was an audible sigh. <laughs> let's let's tip some winners. This is a um, one more before we move on to winners. Okay. Um, Simon Goodwin, Damien Hardwick. Yes, uh, both uh, coming in to support uh, Ben Rutten. Goodwin in particular um, had a bit of a lash at Essendon just for their uh, treatment of him, which is fair enough because the, the treatment, with it, whichever way you look at it, the treatment has been appalling. Yep. I don't know how he took training. On Tuesday at Tullamarine. We well, took training because his contract says... Yeah, I know, but it would have been very tough. Um, but they have not created an environment in which he can coach at his best, that's for sure. He's not, And they've not created an environment in which the players no. can play at their best. And the notion that this all had to play out publicly, I'm sorry, it didn't. It didn't. Because um, the, the dismissal of Mark Harvey from Fremantle in 2011 was no less brutal and no less ruthless. But guess what? Everything we've seen play out on the front and back pages of newspapers over the last five days played out behind closed doors and was executed in 24 hours. Actually, I think this is in a way more brutal because at least with Harvey, it was then the cut was made. and It was often, done and dusted. Yeah, but this way, he's still coaching and he's still coaching this weekend. And remember how we felt about that? The day it happened, we went, God, how can you treat someone like that? And the next day is, oh, they've got a good coach. What's going to be really interesting is um, the Essendon supporters group this Saturday night. 
yeah. their treatment of Ben Rutten. It'd be interesting to see what the feeling is out there in the terraces. You'd like to think there's a bit of a... Bit of warmth. Bit of warmth for him, yeah. You would hope so. Yeah. All, I'm, what I'm going to be fascinated to see is who else pays the price for Essendon's ongoing... You talk about the Saints being in the meaty part of mediocrity. I would have thought Essendon is now in the very meaty part of mediocrity as a footy club. Hmm. Well, there's a CEO who's a great survivor in Xavier Campbell. I would have said there's a recruiting the, the, and list manager. Adrian Dodoro. Of, is one well, of there's the, a couple of great survivors there. The greatest survivors in the history of AFL football, Adrian Dodoro. I've actually, I went back through some of their drafts and maybe we should do that. Maybe we should put that into print one day. Let's do it. Have a look at their drafts and ask the question, what is the real problem at Essendon? All right, let's move along. Friday night at the Gabba, Brisbane versus Melbourne, playing effectively for a top four berth. Brisbane are a dollar seventy-seven, Melbourne are two dollars five. Um, we've kind of had question marks about Brisbane for much of this year quarters, but their record at the Gabba yeah. is compelling. So I looked at this and I was wavering so much. And I looked at Melbourne the last; they've won the last three against Brisbane, although none of them were at the Gabba. They've won the last three against Brisbane by absolutely smashing them on the spread. And we've had question marks over the Brisbane and their lack of foot speed. The thing about Brisbane last week, what I really liked about was Cam- Cameron Rayner. He just gives them an X factor. So as much as I like Melbourne at the moment, and I still think they're going to issue a stiff challenge during this final series, I th- I'm going to pick Brisbane. Because I think at home at the Gabba, you're quite right. Having won 18 of 20, is it 18 of 20? So it's 18 of 20. Now, get this. The two that they've lost... The Melbourne. ...were the semi-final last year to the Western Bulldogs when um, Joe Danaher played Hurt. Uh, no Cam Rayner with the ACL. Yeah. No Eric Hipwood with the ACL. They played Jackson Payne as a forward, and he was concussed. Yeah, he was too. Before halftime. So they basically didn't have, apart from Joe, they didn't have a... And I reckon the other loss was to Melbourne about four years ago. Is that right at the Gabba? No. That wasn't? The other loss is in the middle of this year, and it was against Essendon in round 17, and they had 10 changes because of COVID protocols. They're their two losses. Yeah, okay. So they're, they're solid there. A bit like the Australian cricket team at the Gabba, you just don't pick against them. Yeah, so I'm picking Brisbane. It's a, it's a venue tip. No, it's it's the same for me. Yeah. I I look at that. You know, those numbers are compelling. Those numbers are absolutely compelling, and they've played. Um, it's not like Geelong in Geelong, where for a long time Geelong had, by and large, weaker teams go down and play them, and therefore they built this incredible record. And everyone said, "Well, you can't go to Geelong and beat Geelong." And then Fremantle went down there in 2013, and they yeah. were a good team. And they just beat them. This is not like that. Brisbane beats everyone in Brisbane. Yeah. So I'm, I'm tipping the, the line. By the way, Freo doesn't care who loses. They just uh, don't want to draw. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> just... That is exactly right. And won't the conspiracy theorists be out <laughs> if, they, if, <laughs> if there is if a, it's draw. a draw? <laughs> um, Fremantle versus GWS. This is in Canberra at Marnica Oval on Saturday. Fremantle $1.43 favourites. GWS $2.85. I suspect it's a bit closer than that given Fremantle's forward line issues quarters. Yeah. I'm going to pick Freo. Uh, too much riding on it. Not much riding on it for GWS. I've got very little regard for GWS at the moment. Um, they're, they're just so sporadic. and They're going to have to have a hell of a shake-up in the off-season, GWS, whoever coaches them. And it looks like it's Uze at the moment. He looks like he's the front-runner now that Clarkson's pulled out. So um, a lot of work to do there. A lot. And... People say in the past this is the, this would be so Frio if they lost this and then everything else panned their way. But I just don't think this is the same Frio. I really like the way they're put together. I like the way they play for each other. I like the way they're led. I like the way they're coached. Frio win this game. I think Fremantle will win. I think they should win. But I would say that I think while some of Mark McVeigh's public utterances have been a bit different to normal coaches – he has basically put it on the GWS players. And I think we we saw it go on for far too long where it wasn't put on the GWS players. And I think they're getting some... I think that's resonating a little bit 
basically when when he called him out after the Sydney Derby and basically said, well, eight of you came and went to the wall and the rest of you didn't, I think he's gotten a bit of a response to that. So I'll be interested to see which GWS turns up. I think if the best version of GWS turns up, I think this is a pretty close game. And I think anything less than that, and I think Fremantle wins. But for Fremantle, you're right. A lot riding on it. Just get in, get the four points, get out, get home. And uninjured. Uninjured, yeah. North Melbourne versus Gold Coast. Now, there'll be some local interest in this one, Quarters, because if North Melbourne wins, West Coast is winning something this weekend, and it ain't against Geelong in Geelong. Yeah, probably. No, no, not probably, definitely. Yeah, because they're going to get smacked. Yeah, well, of course, because of the points. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So, um, look, I thought long and hard about North Melbourne. Um, in the end, I've gone with Gold Coast. Yep. Um, I rate them. They've got, they've, there's still plenty to play for for Gold Coast. This Why year. do you rate them? And you know the other point is, did North really want to win? Yeah, it's a good question. No, I don't know if they do. And that's what it came down to for me. I rate Gold Coast because uh, I think they've taken big steps this year. And that's Have without they? being... Yeah, I do, Duff. I Have really... They? I do. I do think they've taken big steps. I think they're on the cusp. And I and I want to see them with Ben King in that side. It'd be really interesting to see what happens with Rankine. And I don't think... And no, I don't Rankine's think, going. Yeah, he's going to Adelaide. Yeah. Clearly. But... Uh, so what's Isaac Rankine worth... Is that Adelaide's first pick? Yes. Well, that's a high pick. Oh well, they were prepared to fork out for it when he was on when he was drafted. So what's changed now in two three years? No, it's a good question. He's they're, a very good footballer. They can be a bit like you cars, what, though, young. You know what I won't like about it when he goes to Adelaide? What is the caveat empor they put on when he was drafted to Gold Coast? Their recruiting manager at the time said, "Lucosius Rankine, buyer beware." Because they'll want to come back. For me, that was tantamount to draft tampering, and they should have been smashed for that. Well, actually, I'd, I reckon with every crisis in the AFL comes an opportunity. I'm not sure that Jack Lacosius is playing the house down at Gold Coast, and I'm not sure he's ever going to be a heart and soul player. This might be an opportunity for Gold Coast. Put them both on the table and say, we'll have your first pick this year, and we'll have your first pick next year, and we'll and you can have them both. Yeah, I rate Lukosius a bit higher. I certainly rate, rate Rankine. I think Rankine, he's had a pretty good year. Rankine's a mercurial player, mate, but he's a small forward. Yeah, he's a good... So, so a small forward is a 50... A, a, the absolute best, best version of a small forward in the AFL is a 40 to 50 goal a year player. That's a pretty good year. Yeah, but they're going to get a very good, maybe the best young key forward back yeah, 40, 50 year. goals, but also 20, 30 assists. Yeah, you I look would, at Shy Bolton, for example. I reckon apply the 60-40 rule. Ben King's worth 60. Isaac Rankin's worth 40. They yeah. get Ben King back. Get two more top-end picks plus your own picks and keep loading up. You know, Just accept that some talent's going to go and just keep loading up on it. Don't, don't try and hang on to it and pay overs. And that's a, Work out who your core players are. And for me, my core players at Gold Coast would be... Um, well, Took Miller. Took Miller, clearly. Uh, Matt Rowell, um, Noah Anderson, Ben King, absolutely. Um, I think Ben Ainsworth is a good small forward. He's not Isaac Rankin, but I think he's a very good small forward. And Sam Collins, obviously, is very yeah. important to their defence. Yeah. And Charlie Ballard is handy. Um, you know, Jared Witts has been a very good ruckman. Hopefully, he continues on. Other blokes have been handy. They're your core. Isaac Rankine, if you want to go home, mate, get Adelaide to back up the truck. And I'd be throwing Jack Lucosius in there as You're well. Just throw him in there. I want I want value for both. Yeah, yeah. But their first pick. I want top end value. First yeah, pick, first pick and first. First pick first. this year, first pick next year. Mm. Have both of them. Mm. And and don't fight to keep them. Don't pay overs and compromise the core group. Make sure that you look after them and let anything else around that go. They won't. They won't fail because of lack of talent quarters. They'll fail because of the way they develop it or the way they turn up. I reckon there's a lot at stake for Gold Coast in this game. Um, and I'm not as rapt as you with their season. I think they've been I think they've fallen away pretty badly again. Mm. So uh, but I'm tipping them. Yes, so am I. I reckon by about twenty five points, I reckon they'll win. Geelong versus West Coast. What's the line in this game? Geelong versus West Coast? 
167.5. No, sorry. That's not 162.5. So 10 goals, basically. I reckon they've got that about right. Yep. Or have they? No, I reckon that's about right. I reckon that's a bit under. Yeah. um, Yeah. Kelly's back. There's a few outs, though. No, I'm, no Nick I'm, Nat. I'm hearing Nick Nat's not going. Yeah. So that means Bailey Williams. Bailey, mate. Well, no, Gaff's iffy. Yeah. Bailey Williams, big game for Bailey Williams. Yes. Yeah. He, he's a guy who I think they would love to see him take a step forward, and he hasn't really. And here's an opportunity. He's not rucking against Polly Farmer. You know, it might be Reese Stanley. No, Reese. I don't think Reese is playing. So it's probably John Segler. Yeah, is it? So John Segler. There's a big opportunity there. It's going to be an ugly day. So I think a competitive loss. I think anything under forty points is a great effort by West Coast. Um, I think West Coast would happily take. If you said to West Coast, thirty-six points. No, if you said to West Coast, so the line here is sixty-two point five. If you said to West Coast, we're giving you a ten-goal loss. They'd have it. Yeah. They'd they'd sign, and you'd find them at Steve's hotel celebrating. <laughs> or, I, the, you or, know, may, or maybe Clapworthy's across the road from Kardinia Park. Know, well, if they if they take the ten point, loss, they, don't, they, have don't, they don't have to go. So. Uh, mercifully, no Jeremy Cameron. Yeah. So Tom Hawkins. Um, so Tom Hawkins gets Barras. So a tough day for Tom Hawkins ahead. Yep. Um, so I would suggest seven goals to make up the Coleman medal uh, gap on Kurnow. I think it's seven goals. Um, I can tell you it is seven goals. That's assuming that Charlie doesn't kick a goal. That's right. So it's it's tough going. Jeremy Cameron was only three off the pace, so I think we can say it's probably unless Tom Lynch has a huge bag. He's on 50. He's seven behind as well. So He's the form forward in the comp is, at the moment. He is. All right, so Geelong are going to win. Uh, West Coast, by the way, fifteen dollars. Yeah, for this and a uh, dollar one, I assume. Dollar one yeah. for Geelong. Um, what is the margin? Seventy points. Yeah, I'll go. I'm going to say West Coast is going to give a yelp. I'm going to say they get within forty-five. There you go. I reckon. I just get the feeling that they're a little bit different in the back half of this season. And they won't just go over there and Well, they are a little bit different in the back half, but this they're playing a side that does not want to take their foot off the pedal because they're probably going to get a little bit of a rest in the next five weeks. They've got they could have one game yeah. in five weeks. So they're going to go full bore, Geelong. Well, I think, so that's why I think it could get a bit ugly. I like I think they'll like to think they'll go full bore, but I think your favourite term, caveat emperor, mm-hmm. there'll be a little bit of that about it. You know, I don't want to get hurt. I want to be around in two weeks' time. So um, 45 points for me. Essendon versus Richmond. Um, Richmond, $1.29. Essendon, $3.55. Congratulations, Michael Hurley. Mm. Well done. Well done on a great career, mate, and hopefully it goes well for you this weekend. Richmond's not losing this and jeopardising their finals berth. No, and you look at that forward line now. You'll get It's a bit of a sleepless night if you're a defender playing Richmond at the moment, that forward line. You add uh, Morris Rioli Jr. in there, um, Lynch, form forward of the comp, Rewalt, just a great player, plays that great role. Oh, Shy Bolton. Shy Bolton. Daniel Rioli. Dusty Martin to come back first week That's of finals. That's a pretty good forward line. Yeah, it's a bit scary. Mm. But I don't think they can string four weeks together to win the flag. I agree. But I think they could... they could create quite a ruckus in weeks one and two of the finals. Yes, they could. I reckon. Could be... Could be coming here even. Possibly. Mm. Hopefully Fremantle gets it done against Jim. So, yeah, I'm, com- I'm comfortable picking Richmond as well in this game. Very comfortable. Uh, but good luck to Michael Hurley. And yeah. and hopefully the Essendon players do the right thing by Ben Rutten and go out swinging. Well, they should be nice and rested, Duff, after last week. Yes, they should be. <laughs> yes, they didn't put a lot out there last week. And I'd like to think that one of the players that will put more on the line than most is Nick Hind after what we saw on the bench. Oh, it was disgraceful. Last week. Uh, and I think if Nick thinks that a change of coach changes that, I suspect that he'll be one of the first people that the new coach wants to talk to about the right way to play AFL footy. All right. Hawthorne versus – oh, sorry. Port Adelaide versus Adelaide. The showdown. We forget. With everything that's happening this weekend. There's a showdown. There's a showdown this weekend. Um, Port Adelaide, Adelaide Oval, it's nominally Port Adelaide's home game. Um, I'm going to pick Port 
they're going all right at the moment, Port. And we should mention um, another retirement there, Robbie Gray. Robbie Gray, what a great player. All Australian, uh, goes out 30, 270 games, 365 goals. Um, so he's only Warren Trudrow's kicked more goals than Robbie Gray at that football club. Has been a stalwart, has gone through his own bout of testicular cancer. Yep. So he's had to come back from the brink himself, and uh, what a great career he's had. What, what a, you know, at at his absolute best, was one of the top five players in the comp, you would well, say? Well, and a bit like David Mundy, one of the five best blokes you'd want the ball in his hands at a big moment. You know, yeah, after, he loved it, didn't he? After the siren goals, he was he was a man for the big moment. And uh, um, I remember that one of my favourite football memories is Paddy Ryder over the back at the boundary line. Oh, stoppage yeah, wasn't it? To Robbie Gray, to Nuts and Kilda at Adelaide Oval that day. Just a great set play. So Port Adelaide $1.35, Adelaide $3.20. Um, Adelaide, I think, have been a tad disappointing. Yeah, year. the last sort of six weeks they've been okay, though, haven't they? Okay. Have they taken a step forward? Oh, yeah, just. I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I looked at their youth and thought, I don't know where they're going here. They seem to be treading water, but I reckon the last six weeks they've shown us a bit. Okay. Big year for them next year. It is. Uh, Hawthorne versus the Western Bulldogs. Western Bulldogs $1.42, Hawthorne $2.85. I suspect that is because it is in Launceston. Yeah. Where, where, where Hawthorne tend to play very well. Um. I didn't like what I saw from your boys last week. No, I, I didn't either. I didn't mind the experimentation. That's okay. I just didn't like it. They're, they're scrambling towards the finish of the season as well, Hawthorne. The only thing you'd say about Hawthorne is you're right, Tasmania, and also they do have a habit in these final round fixtures, Hawthorne, of causing some pretty major disturbances to what happens in the final, so, i.e. West Coast. West, I, I still scratch my head about that game, you know. Round 23, 2009. Incredible. Just how West Coast could let that slip. Yep. At home. At home. So, you know, nothing would surprise in this season. And look, they are capable, Hawthorne, if they get it together. You know, the steps forward they've taken, well... Sicily's been bedded back into that side, so I expect him to be the captain. This is, by the way, it's Ben McAvoy's last game too. So what a great yeah, career he's had. To ben. John Newcomb. They've introduced a lot of um, first year players. There's a lot to like out there for Hawthorne. So, but yeah, Western Bulldogs have got too much to to lose here. They've got to win to give themselves. Obviously, have to win, and then hope that um, Carlton doesn't. Yep. Um. Yeah, I, well, as you say, this this takes place before the Carlton game, doesn't it? So, therefore, Carlton will know exactly what they've got to do and the Bulldogs will just assume you know, for us to have a chance. And it's a great segue into the next game. You're picking the Dogs as well, I assume. Let's change the order here. I, okay. think, I think we need to leave the best until last. Okay. St Kilda versus Sydney. Now, St Kilda is a snowflake's chance in hell of playing finals if they you know, somehow beat You know what was really interesting was Brett Ratton on um, on three, AFL 360 earlier in the week basically conceding, that's it. No, we're not playing finals. It's been a disappointing year, as, as if it was in the past tense. We're, well, it, they've, they've got to win by 140 points. Yeah, but okay, so that's fine. But, you know, it's funny for a coach, like when there's still a math- mathematical possibility, they cling to it, don't they, like a life raft. Yeah. And uh, he has, certainly hasn't. Maybe that's that's a good sign. He's a realist. Maybe he's trying to take the pressure off Max King. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Max. Um, so a dollar thirty-five Sydney, three dollars twenty St Kilda. Sydney, one of the form teams in the competition. And I just look, I cannot believe they're second on the ladder. Yeah, what a great performance it is. Great coaching. Do you give them any. Are they a chance of winning the flag? Well, they have because to no be. one. If you talk to people about who's winning the flag, they're just not in the conversation. No, they are. I they think they are in some conversations. And if you're in the top four, you have to be in the conversation. Because let's say they hang on to second place by winning. Well, they're going to win. I'm picking them to win. So if they win, that first qualifying final will be at the SCG, which you think they win, which means they play a preliminary final at the SCG, which means they probably make the grand final. So, yeah, they're they're in it up to their eyeballs. Mm. Um, I'm tipping Sydney to win this and uh, – Hopefully, Max King gets some help with his goal kicking in the off-season. Okay, best to last quarters. Yeah. Carlton v Collingwood. This is going to be the biggest home and away game of the season. Uh, Collingwood are now into $1.87 marginal favourites. Carlton are $1.93 marginal outsiders. So the punters have got on the pies a bit because they were split at one ninety earlier on today. 
So, I, you know, the, the key selection for me here is, is Jordan Degoe playing. If Jordan Degoe is playing, I'm t- I've tipped Carlton, by the way. I'm committed. So have I. But if Jordan Degoe is playing, I'm worried about the tip. Yeah. Oh, you know what worries me a little bit is don't get too sucked in by the loss to Sydney at the SCG last week. They defend that ground really well, Sydney. This is a bigger, wider space, open spaces. Collingwood do play the G well. There's going to be 90-plus there. It's going to be huge. Yeah. I've just had a feeling about this game for weeks. And you're right. Dugowie is key. But Carlton were only one uncontested possession from winning last week. Correct. And they're already playing finals. Yeah. So they didn't do a lot wrong last week. So the form's there. The form template is there. So Collingwood is 60, 15 wins. Carlton is... Uh, what are they? They're on 13. 12 wins. 12 wins. So there's a bit of a gap there, isn't there, form line. Carlton 8-2 at the halfway point of the season. Clearly playing better then than now. I, they did a lot right last week. I reckon Owie's kick to Saad is the difference between defence and victory, uh, defeat and victory. And it's, it's a bit... I know it's a lot to put on one yeah. bloke, but if that ball makes it to Adam Saad on the floor... Well, Adam Saad's not missing his target, and then you milk the clock and it's done. Correct. Yeah. It's a shame. But then it set us up for this absolute rip snorter. You say biggest home and away game of the season. It's probably the biggest home and away game we've had for quite a few seasons, really. I so mean, no rain on Sunday. If there's no rain on Sunday in Melbourne, this is 90,000 people, isn't it? Yep. I'm saying 90 plus. Yeah. It's not a Billy Graham crowd. But it's 90-plus. You know what a Billy Graham crowd was? That's the record attendance at the MCG. It was 130,000. 130,000. So what they did is they obviously spilled out onto the arena itself and and there was just every crevice was filled. So Billy Graham, there you go. All right. Um, So we're both on the blues and hopefully it's last (laughs) gasp, uh, last man standing, bodies flying everywhere. Now, Duff, I'm excited because it's time for this. Saddle up your camel. It's time for the Thirsty Camel Mailbag. And excited because it's the first week, Duff, we're giving away a carton of Green Coast Lager from Stone and Wood Brewery. We'll have to have a taste of that this weekend. Absolutely. Thank, thank you to Thirsty Camel. Please keep your email short. Let us know if you're from the great state of Western Australia or not. If you're not, you can't win one. So let's get into some emails. Now, I'm going to start with this one from Raoul, and I'm, I'm going to issue an apology, Duff. Because earlier in the week we are talking about, um, I erroneously suggested that it was Corey Parker who was uh, guilty of the Hopawade tackle. It wasn't. It was Corey Norman, of course, uh, who's playing in the Super League over in England. Uh, He's playing for a French team, and he was subsequently uh, given an eight-week suspension for that. So that is Corey Norman. Not Corey Parker, who is an absolutely fine citizen. Thank you, uh, Glenn. Uh, Glad you cleared that up. The second part of his email, and you'll like this, further to Tuesday's podcast, the actual player who ripped off Bruce Dool's headband was an Essendon player, Cameron Clayton at VFL Park. I reckon he played for Richmond as well, Cameron Clayton. But following on from the removal of his headband, a melee broke out, and the current owner of the Camfield pub at Optus Stadium, and a few others I might add, Tony Budgie Bahaja threw it into the crowd. Budgie, one of the great men of footy. Last man left out of Essendon's 1984 premiership team. So he was the Derek Kickett. So, of 1984. So thanks for bringing up 84, Duff. You've cheered me up. It's a pleasure. Uh, this one from Will. Hi, Duff and Quarters. On Tuesday quarters, you said it was absolutely fine for Clarko to essentially act as Ben Rutten's Grim Reaper. And in principle, I agree with you. He's allowed to apply for any job he likes. However, you've got to question his values. Given this time last year, he was disgusted at the way Carlton treated David Teague. Was he only disgusted? at the way Teague was treated because he wasn't actually keen on a job last year. Not a fan of Eddie, but I like the quote, if you don't stand for anything, you will fall for everything. And based on Clarko's dichotomous behaviour, you've got to question what does he actually stand for. It's a good email. It's a good email, and I would add into that, if Clarko's been halfway down the aisle with North Melbourne, which we were led to believe at the start of the week, we were hearing about potential... Oh, the bribe was at the altar. And Wednesday, uh, then... Yeah, the bribe was at the older, looking radiant, Duff. I would, all I would say is I sincerely hope Alistair gets all the way to I do and not stumbles at 
if anyone has any reason why these two well, should not re- be wed, speak now or forever. Well, the red and, red and black bride has rushed into the chapel and said, I object. I'm carrying his child. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's happened. Um, I like that. That's a good email. Yeah, that is a good email. That's Let's call that, it the clubhouse leader. That's the clubhouse leader, yeah. Well uh, this one from Chris Greenwood. Hello, lads. Given we dockers lament the fiasco of the Hogan deal, put simply, how much of a favour did Chera do the dockers by catching a jet home? Not to mention Brody. Imagine if Jai gets a call up in the finals and kicks five. That's Chris from Mount Hawthorne. Yeah, look, just call you just a bit on Chera. I mean, he's five seasons into his career, actually. Can you believe that? He's 20. Same as, same as Andy Brasher. Yeah, I think um, he's only 22. And, okay, there's a bit of pressure on Chera, as there should be, but still a fair bit of good footy ahead of Adam Chera, I'd suggest. You, you know how sometimes you finish a season and then you find out what's wrong with the players because they've been hiding it from. I suspect Adam Chera's carrying. Yeah. And, and the reason I say that, and this is the only reason I say it, it's not his form overall, it's the way he's kicking the ball. Notice he was out last weekend with a groin problem. I just wonder whether there's a bit of OP yep. there. Because when Adam Chera is not kicking the ball well, there is something wrong. He's a beautiful kid. Because the one thing Adam Chera does well is he, he does a lot he yeah, kicks, he does a lot well, Adam well. Chera. I'm a big fan. Um, he'll be back. Hey lads, love the pod. Uh, this is from Mitchell. I hear lots of talk about how damaging the Kim, Tim Kelly trade has been for West Coast, but not a great deal of talk about how important it's been to Geelong. Very good point. Just how important do you think those picks have been to Geelong's current success? And if they win the flag this year, how many cartons will they owe West Coast and Tim Kelly? Well, Jeremy Cameron has been a pretty good pickup for them. So, and I think, did we talk about this a bit the other yeah, day? We did, yeah. If you're going to go all in on a trade, go after the power forward. Because quarters, even look at West Coast last year, all right? Their midfield's cooked. So, Elliot Yeo's got OP. He's running around crippled. Luke Shuey's twanged 150 hamstrings. He's running around crippled. Um, Andrew Gass, not the player he once was. Jack Redden's not the player he once was, etc., etc., etc. They still had Jack Darling and Josh Kennedy, even the 33-year-old version of Josh Kennedy. And as a result, what, they win 11 games? I think they went 11-11 last year, just missed finals. Two power forwards, without both Tom Lynch... And Jack Revolt is Richmond a three premiership dynasty? If it's just Jack Revolt, no Tom Lynch. No, they're not. Probably not. No, they're definitely not. Definitely? They're definitely not. Yeah. And so that's a great email, but the underlying lesson is if you're going to sell the farm for um, a trade, do it for a power forward. Now, clearly, that's counterintuitive to what the email was talking about with the Jesse Hogan trade but um, obviously Jesse Hogan had other issues but clearly Fremantle were thinking along those lines when they did the Jesse Hogan trade and they just didn't bank on all the other stuff Rowan from Largs Bay in South Australia says hi lads your views on AFL reserves it doesn't work having AFL reserves in Sandful and the Waffle is there enough interest in having AFL reserves and bringing back something traditional as a genuine curtain raiser that fans are interested in someone will sponsor it and I don't think AFL clubs need the long drawn out warm ups we currently see the amount of teams that are asleep at the wheel in the first quarter after a 45 minute warm up is amazing reserves finish and 10 minutes later the A grade should run out Um, well I don't know if it can work can it I mean it's it's cost yeah it's cost. Don't forget that the AFL already has to tip truckloads of money, literally, into Gold Coast and GWS. They also tip a significant amount of money into St Kilda, and they would have to fund the WA clubs in particular to fly Trans Nullarbor every second week. Um, so instead of 25 players getting on the plane, there's potentially 50 Um and, and staying in hotel rooms and doing this and doing that. Maybe you could stick the seconds in the in the crappy hotel room somewhere and have three to a room or something like that. Is I don't it, know. The but. thing I'd say, though, West Coast, uh, as in the Waffle West Coast side, 1 and 14, 49%. Um, kicked the first goal against Swan Districts last week and, and then didn't, didn't kick, kick again. Mm. It's not a good look for the comp. It's not a good look, Quarters, but I think what they have to get past, and this is a competition awareness thing for the for the waffle clubs. West Coast has been a significant financial contributor and a significant financial underwriter of the WAFL competition. 
it's not a good look for the WFL competition to turn around and say, you want your team, but we're not going to let you have it. So therefore, what's best for the competition? Isn't it best for the competition to establish a sensible set of list-gathering rules for yes. West Coast? Yes, I'm not having a go at West Coast. I'm suggesting they need to improve this team. So to enable them to have a team that is about the level of Peel. Absolutely. And if you do that, this is not an issue anymore. Well, Peel is, Peel is actually has worked, hasn't it? Yeah. So and it works make, for Peel as so well. So let's, let's make West Coast work. It's not that difficult. That's right. And that's just about... You know, what do you need? And if it if you give them a bit too much, then you prune it back. And if it's not quite enough, you add a little bit more until you get it right. But my problem with the way the waffle clubs have tackled this is, nah, give them nothing. And then when they play like this, it's, oh, they're a pimple on the ass of the competition. Mm. Get rid of them. Well, yeah, okay. What if you get rid of the money that West Coast tips in? What happens then? Mm. There is no waffle. So let's be sensible about this. Uh, Jeff from Gelorup. 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 Where is Gelorup? Excuse Gilorup, me, that's the Victorian in me. Gelorup is in between uh, Del Yellup, where my mum and dad used to live, um, and Capel. So on the okay. So you, when you're driving down south to have a uh, a nice little Semsav Blanc quarters, yes, I do like it. You will go Blanc. directly past Gelorup. Uh, so Jeff from Gelorup says. Greetings from a very wet Jalora. Uh, my email concerns the meat market. Clubs trading players as literally pieces of meat to do what they like with. I don't like it. In fact, I hate it. I don't think clubs do well and gain no credibility within their own club. Hawthorne trading out their best players to quickly regenerate and in the end kept them off the bottom, but nothing more. No chance to say goodbye to absolute legends, legends that built your club quarters, won the club four premierships. Terrible. Thanks for reminding me. Uh, if a player wants to go, fair enough, let them go. Get the best deal possible. If you wanted to list someone, go for it. However, the thought of getting rid of Jeremy McGovern for a draft pick, I find counterproductive, and other members of your team would think, is it me next? Oh, he's winning. He's winning. Our, he's with me on Jezza. Our club's got to be better than that. We, could, we always talk about club culture, and the way to build a culture is not to trade players out. And my club, the West Coast Eagles, the way to get better is to draft players in. Show you've got a strong culture. Show you support the players you've got. And other players will want to come to you. If Willie wants to go, get what you can for him. Stand for something. If nothing else, stand to be the best club and the rest will look after itself. Cheers, gents. Jeff from Jalorup. Got to be the clubhouse leader, doesn't he, at the moment? No, no, I reckon the, um, I was joking about that. Oh, well, yeah, I think that's a very good email. It's actually. a very good email and, and a lot of good sentiments there. I... What I would say, though, is that with players wanting to be traded at the drop of a hat before the end of contracts, I'd actually be going the other way. I think we need to get to a point where we have something more like the American system where the club can say to the player, sorry, you're going there. Um, yeah. it, there's too, I think there's too much power for the players at the moment. Um, I wouldn't trade Jeremy McGovern. I'm like, you, quarters, um, sees it differently. That's fine. It's a list management issue. It's a matter of opinion. Um but having said that, I, I think it's a ruthless business, isn't it? Oh, it is. If, it was, it, if talk, it was easy, we'd be doing it. You talk about the Hawthorne players, but that's a salary cap issue. You've got to get, you've got to clear some salary cap space. You see it all the time. Mm. I it's mean, a, would Collingwood really, in the perfect world, want to get rid of Trelaw no. and pay half his salary to the Western Bulldogs or more than half his salary? It just doesn't. You've got to clear. You don't want to be breaching the salary cap. No. Because look what happened to Carlton. So that's it's it's very complicated. It's very difficult. Um, I love this next email from Craig. He's from South Australia, so he's not a contender for the carton. But I like this. Hi, Duffin Quarters. My question, why can't we have a second team All-Australian? In American sports, they have a first, second and third team All-NBA, All-American team. It would recognise though that have had great year, those that have had great years, and end a lot of the debate about who misses out in the squad of fifty. Here's how I would put together 2022 All Australian team. So he's given us two teams. I'll quickly read them out. The first team from the back line: Stuart Taylor, Sicily; Dale May, Sard; centre line: McCluggage, Patrick Cripps, Walsh; half forwards: Shay Bolton, Jay Cameron, Christian Petraka; uh, forwards. Charlie Kerno, Tom Hawkins, Isaac Heaney, uh, Wits in the ruck as vice-captain, Oliver and Neil, uh, and then interchange, Andy Brayshaw, Sinclair, Mills and Cameron, Patty, Patty Cripps, the captain there. And the second team is from the backs, Doherty, Barras, 
um, Luke Ryan. Uh, halfbacks Dawson, Paddy McCartan, Angus Brayshaw. Centre line Zach Merritt, Tuke Miller, Jack McRae. Half forwards Connor Rosie, Aaron Norton, Luke Parker. Forwards uh, Taylor Walker, Tom Lynch, Bailey Fritch. And the Rucks Gorn led uh, LDU and interchange short Chris Darcy and Dacos. It's not a bad idea. I know you don't like it, do you? You can tell by you've turned your nose up when I started reading that out. Let's give everyone an elephant stamp. Let's well, give out participation medals. We do follow American sport a lot here in Australia. So They're professional sports people. Don't discount it. They're well remunerated for doing what they do. It's a difficult business. It's ruthless. I don't think anyone wants to be in the second 22. I think everyone wants to be in the first 22. Um, so, no. Uh, Mrs. Longmuir from Perth's back, Duff. Yep. Um, Justin is busy setting up the spare bedroom for Luke. Uh, I'm a bit unsure <laughs> and hoping you could answer these two questions for me. One, do you think Luke Jackson will be leaving Melbourne if they hadn't won the premiership last year? Two, what big fish have come to the Dockers and actually got better? Fringe players have excelled with us, but big fish players seem to plateau or go downhill. That's from Mrs. Longmuir. That's a good one. From Perth. Yep. That is a good one. Um, and I can't think of one. Who have flourished? Who have flourished. Well, I'd say that... I'd Peter th- Bell came back and probably played... Like, Peter Bell played great seasons at North Melbourne, but I would argue that Peter Bell's best season of footy was 2003. So he's one you could claim. Um Josh Carr was okay, probably still played his best footy at Port Adelaide. Akers has been good this year. I mean, you've been talking about big, big fish. fish. Yeah. yeah. Um, Luke McFarlane came before he was a big fish and flourished. Yeah. Became one of the great power defenders of the competition. You might argue that Luke McFarlane is maybe more uh, aligned with, say, a Luke Jackson. I think Luke McFarlane might have had two seasons at Hawthorne. Yep. Um, and I think one of those, they played in the preliminary final. Um, obviously, Luke Jackson's had three seasons at Melbourne, and one of those they've won a premiership. So interesting. Would he have moved? I think he, I suspect he probably still would have. Um, but it was a, certainly a nice, nice to be playing in that drought-breaking premiership last year. Yes. Uh, Daniel from Albany. Hi, gents. Three quick ones. Not really a fan of the whole, of holding off the ball on Brayshaw or any star player. I know Crowley used to be amazing for Fremantle, but never liked his tactics as it was not good for the game. I was at the game and and surprised Brayshaw didn't get more free kicks for the ear massages behind the play. Two, tall forwards, Fremantle has none left. Do we bring in Sturt forward and Hamling to the key back roll and swing Cox forward? Cox did play forward in his first uh, one or two seasons. Put Fife in the waffle to full forward and to regain fitness and confidence in front of goals. Three, what's your call as trade value for Meek, Tucker and Hughes, if any? So we've already discussed what we think needs to happen this weekend as far as their tall You've forward. You've got Jai Amos too, don't forget. Yeah, but Jai Amos would have to play... Jai Amos would have to play the house down over the next two weeks in the waffle, wouldn't he, to even be considered... Geez, if he did, it would be a great X factor for the finals. Well, he's a great kick, mm. isn't he? And particularly if Matty Taberner doesn't get up, then you start seriously thinking about something like that. Um, okay, so... Cox forward, is that a... No. Break glass in case of emergency or just don't do it? Uh, that's Too don't, valuable where he is. Don't destabilise yep. a great defence. Yep, fair call. Um, on the others, Tucker, oh, late second. Who are the others? Meek. Meek and Hughes. So Meek, early second for the right club, yeah. a, a club that's desperate for a ruckman. Across town. Um, yeah, I don't know whether they'd, <laughs> they'd be trying to... Uh, They'd be trying to uh, screw Fremantle. They're not going to cough up an early second. But but I do think a club that is desperate for a ruckman that may be in contention. So let's say someone like Geelong. Mm. Um, Geelong might be prepared to pay... Who are up to their eyeballs in Brodie Grundy. Yeah. As well as Melbourne. Well, Lloyd Meek is a lot cheaper than Brodie Grundy. He is. Good Well, we don't know what he's capable of, but we suspect he's capable of being a number one ruckman at an AFL club. Well, I think he is. Mm. I think he's shown that. I... I just think that he's going to have to go somewhere else to do that. Okay, this one from the son of a Narragin Shearer. Hi, Duff and Quarters. Firstly, just to fire up Duff. Do we have a name? Just says the son of a... Yeah, Nathan. Nathan. Uh, Just to fire up Duff, right? I'll repeat that. Wanted to highlight that Sam Switkowski's tackle with GST got the same suspension as Jai Kelly's elbow to the head. 
Not saying which one got the correct suspension, but hard to argue they both deserve the same punishment. I tend to agree with that. Yeah. Also talking about players at Wikipin. Simon and Reagan Duckworth, both ex-Perth, played for Wikipin around 2007-8. Not 100% sure if they identify as being from Wikipin as they played f- for Coolan not long after. To my question, do you think the AFL should look at an NBA-style maximum contract for players? Basically, the NBA determines what the max amount a player can sign for is based on what they have achieved in their career so far, years played, etc. The max contract also allows for the team that drafted the player to be able to offer more financially than other teams. Could the AFL introduce something similar until a player has reached eight years, then allow unrestricted free agency? We could then see how homesick draft picks really are if it means they might earn fifty or $100,000 a year less than at the club that drafted them. It would also help protect teams like Gold Coast and GWS from having to pay crazy money to keep kids who get big money offers to return home. Lastly, for those who don't like drinking tea, I found some bubble bath the other week at Woolies with chamomile extract. Based on how the three-year-old behaved after his bath, not sure its calming effect is as strong as the tea. Thank you for that. Before you answer, I will just add LeBron James overnight. Looks like he signed a new two-year deal with the LA Lakers, $140 million Australian, which will take him past the age of 40. Okay. I love that email. Mm, it's good, isn't it? I love that email. Um, the, the Duckworth boys, I think, are Coolin Condinen more than they are Wickerpen. So yeah. they might have been paid to come in and, and uh, play and coach, but I think they would identify as more Coolin Condinen than, than Wickerpen. So that's what. Interestingly, so I think um, I, I spoke to Simon Duckworth um, about an, another story some time ago, and, and there's. He plays his footy and goes one way, and his neighbouring farmer, who's a gun player in the Upper Great Southern, which is my only, and his name escapes me, so apologies to whoever it is. But um, so they they live right next door to each other, and they play their footy about three hundred kilometres apart. <laughs> and they're neighbouring farmers because one goes one way. That's how it works there. Though. They're, they're kind of right on the cusp of the borders of their their two leagues. One goes one way, and the other one goes wow. the other way. So wow. Uh, this one from Peter. Uh, Hi, gents. I was psychoanalyzing why this rule, you've gone to a lot of work there, Peter, um, why this rule interpretation of a player standing on a mark drives me nuts. The conclusion I have arrived at is likely due to the variability applied by individual umpire. The player is told to stand and is effectively removed from play and then seems to be completely random when an umpire calls play on. Players run past them or take a number of steps off the line and after a good 10 seconds and no play on call. Alternative, the player takes two steps back and moves millimetres offline and they call play on. Why not just once an umpire is called to stand, count to five and play on, even if they move around behind the mark? At least the player on the mark has some idea of when they can move without incurring a 50 metre penalty or reduce the penalty to 25 metres as the penalty doesn't fit the crime. I've got to say, that's the one thing that does bug me is now... They're still falling into the trap, umpires, of paying the 50 when the player feigns a hand pass. So Jack Higgins... Yeah, it's just wrong. It's wrong on every level. I hated that 50. I reckon they need to address more still the delay. So a player lays over the footy with his arms outstretched like a big plane saying, oh, I can't move, I can't move, delaying the play so they can get back behind the footy, their teammates. You know, do what you do in the NRL. If If you... Delay the play the ball in the ruck, you are giving them a new set of six tackles. I reckon if you delay the play and it's obvious you're doing it, just go 50 metres. I I reckon that needs more attention. I just reckon if if you look to have played on, you've played on. Yeah. Um, The Jack Higgins, um, Dane Zorko one, I hated that. And the fact that it sent him to the goal line made it even worse and magnified the damage. So, yeah, good, good email. I'll just finish with this one before we... High quality group today. It is high quality. Um, This one from Julian. Hey, gents, would it be worth Frio in this train period targeting Jack Gunston? Frio desperately need another key forward for next year. Otherwise, all the work will be left to Tracy and Amos. Cannot count on Tabiner playing more than 15 games. Also, Duff, if Frio do land Earl Jackson this trade period, would you rather him play a traditional forward ruck role or maybe a polypharma type role that being the ruck, ruck, dash, ruck, rover, keep up the good work. I'll just say one thing before you comment, Duff. Yep. With the Jack Gunston one, I'll throw, I'll throw one at you. So he's an unrestricted free agent this year uh, yep. at the close of the season. So you get him for nothing. What if? Just the punt. What if 
Clarko takes... Now, I'd hate to lose Jack Gunston. He is a jet. I love him at Hawthorne. What if Clarko goes to Essendon? Jack Gunston's dad, Ray, who sadly we lost recently, um, who was on the Essendon board. Jack grew up being a mad Essendon supporter. What a little nice little closure to his career. If he reunites with Clarko, plays the final couple of years of his... or three or four years out at Essendon, and in memory of his late father. Just a suggestion. Can we cue some violin music? No, I what think is? it's a nice little... Uh, some harps, I hope, harps by the way, in the background. Sorry, I hope it doesn't happen. I want him to stay at Hawthorne. But I just thought I'd throw that out there. So Jack's 30, um, won him the 2013 grand final. Four yeah, goals in that against... Yeah. I, well, I've let it go. You know, I've moved on. Yeah, you have. <laughs> but um, uh, played very well in that game. He's 30 and he's had back issues. I would argue... I know that Matt Tavener um, struggles to play a full season, but you're probably as likely to get as much out of Matt Tavener next year as you are out of Jack Gunston, and you don't have to spend a cent of your salary cap to do it. So I'd say um, nice thought, but no. So who's getting the chocolate stuff? I've got it down to two. I've got it down to um, Nathan, the son of a Narragin shearer. Yep. Or Will on his Clarko comment. Yeah, it's pretty close. I oh, oh, look a, a bit of regional bias here. I reckon Nathan, <laughs> the son of an Arrogant Shearer. Well done, Nathan. You've up. won a carton of Green Coast Lager from Stone and Wood Brewery. Please send your details to this address. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's going to be a big, big weekend of home and away fixtures. A lot on the line. And, of course, that monster clash between Carlton and Collingwood on Sunday and the Dockers needing to win uh, to give themselves a chance at top four. And, and West Coast just needing to, well, probably get out of Geelong alive, I would say. I think just finish the season, Duff. We have been brought to you by Tab Touch. Those with a touch, you can better your bet. Download Tab Touch today. Please gamble responsibly and please, if you encounter difficulties, call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back on Tuesday to talk about everything that unfolded. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. This has been the Duff and Quarters podcast on the game. You know who? It's unbelievable.